You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. We already read how the, the church grew from just uh, 120 or so to more than 3,000 in a single day. And uh, I don't know about you, but I call that pretty exponential growth. Um, that's, that's pretty fast. That's pretty amazing. Uh, a couple things to recap from last week before we go into, uh, in, in, into today and today's message. Uh, we see here the, the, uh, the scripture that we have just read. Uh, that the believers, that the 3,000 now were added to the number, they just picked up doing what the 120 were already doing, which was gathering together, worshiping, uh, prayers, the teaching, the fellowship. They were already devoted to those things in the breaking of bread. So it makes simple sense that when the church grew from 120 to 3,000 or so, they were just then invited into what the smaller church had already been doing. So for us last week, it was a reminder that if we are not doing it when we are small, you won't do it when you get large. If you're not doing it when, you, when you're small, and that's in life, in business, or whatever, if you're not making a good chicken sandwich in a small restaurant in a small food court in Atlanta, you won't make it when you get large. And so for us, again, it's if, if we aren't praying, if we aren't reading the Bible now, if we're waiting for some future date when, oh, I'll, I'll go back to church maybe, and I'm speaking to the choir here, I know, but I'll go back to church, you know, when, when I have kids. You know, I grew up in a church, and I'm not too committed right now, but, you know, when I have kids, oh, then, then we'll go. Then I'll, I'll take them. You know, I, I pray maybe every, I don't know, four or five days, and we expect exponential growth in our faith life when we're doing no investment. So if you're not doing it now, when you are smaller at this point in time, we can't expect to be doing it something large. And for us as a church, it's why those are the things that we've just done uh, in worship, breaking the bread together, kind of rebuilding uh, the, the insides of our church. We've renovated the outside and relocated two or three times over the last eight years. We've done a pretty good job with the, with the front um, but it is, has been time this year that we kind of fix up the insides. So as we prepare for growth, you know, if we're not doing it when we're small, and we're not a large church, are we? Well, is that bad? No. No, okay. We, is it good? No, we're, we are called to grow, right, and share the gospel. If we stay this size next year... We're going to have a talk, right? So it's not bad, it's not good, but if we're not building in the right principles, the right values now, if we're not honoring the godly things instead of the good things, 
then when we do get larger, we'll just invite more people into that collective mess. So I'm thankful for this season of our church right now is that we're hopefully getting some things established or reestablished, thought out or rethought out uh, that will prepare us to move forward so that we are inviting people into weekly communion. We are inviting people into breaking bread in your homes. We are inviting people into theologically um, accurate song choices and some other things that we've left behind, right? We, we want to invite people into those things, into community and, and into life groups and doing life together. So if you're not doing it when you're small, you won't do it when you get large. And if you attempt to, it's incredibly, incredibly hard. You might have one of these. And on this thing, there might be the letter F. It's blue and white. F says, right? Now, last year, F rebranded as Meta. Facebook is now Meta, but we still call it as Facebook, right? Yeah. Right. Because we, that's what they started out as. Had they started out as Meta, we'd probably be calling it Pulitzer Meta right now. But they, they started off as Facebook. So we sh- we're still calling them Facebook. Good luck, Zuckerberg. You know, you created Facebook. Now you have to hear us call it Facebook forever. Um, so it's hard to rebrand, to redo things that weren't there at first. Enough on that. Um, finally, you know, if we're inviting people into a hot mess of what we do when we gather, um, incorrect biblical teaching, not correct um, songs that you'll sing and sing and sing again, uh, things out of balance, no time of communion, just things misplaced. Any, any growth in those attributes is not a crowd. It's a crowd, not a church. It's a crowd, not a church. And I hope you, along with me, we don't want a crowd, right? I don't, I don't want an event I, I go to like a Brad Paisley concert or something like that. Uh, we went on a men's fishing trip yesterday, and there were 57 people fishing on that boat plus four or five crew. Kraskach. It was crowded. Um, it was crowded, all right? Uh, you know, I think a third of us probably spent half of our time just untangling lines next to each other, you know? Um, I ended up taking home all the fish our men caught. Uh, this is not putting any of the other guys. Tyler got two lane snapper. I got one. Other guys caught fish, but they weren't keepers. They were either out of season or not the right size. So we, we caught more fish, but you, you had to put them back. Um, and then watch him float belly up, and then eventually a shark would eat it or something. So it's fishing. It's what it is, all right? Anyway, we, we, lines were getting tangled up, and it was, you know, my brain, uh, as Grace said, is still rocking. Uh, I still feel like I'm swaying. I became cardiomyopathic nauseous hours later after I got off the boat. Things started just spinning. I was fine on the boat, came home, walked around fine, drove home fine. And then about like 8 o'clock or so, I'm like, whoa. And then like 10 o'clock, it's like, whoa. Um, so it's not a balanced thing. It's a neurological thing. Just the brain has not readjusted to you're all stable right now. We were out there in the, in the ocean, deep sea fishing. It was a good time. It was a good time. Came home and cooked up those lane snappers. So Tyler again, thanks. It was tasty. Anyway, it was a crowd on the boat. And all of us, I think, walked away. Some of us even had conversations along the lines of, if we do this again... We're like, we're getting a small boat where it's just all of us or like four or five of us where we can split up and like have, 
you're on this whole side of the boat by yourself. No lines are going to count. I'll be on this side of the boat by myself, right? It'll be a smaller boat, right? But the fishing experience will be much better. So when we gather, I don't want it just to be a, a, a giant show or an event or anything, and it was fun, and we leave, ah, oh, that was great, or we leave judgmental. Was it good or was it bad? And anytime we leave judgmental is a sign that our heart needs to check, because if we leave being judgmental, then we clearly miss the motive of why we even gathered in the first place. If we were critiquing it, all right? Any growth that is not about the teaching, the fellowship of the believers, the breaking of bread, the communion, the prayers, the worship of God, anything outside of that, that's a crowd, not a church. And there's a lot of crowds in America today meeting right now at buildings across our nation. So we're going to go forward now into chapters 3 and 4. I'm going to recap some of the story. We're going to bounce a little uh, bit uh, around. Uh, again, I want to encourage you, because we're not reading line by line through Acts, uh, the way we're going to cover this book, uh, to take it home and read it. Did you know that you can read all of Acts in about two and a half hours if you have a normal reading pace, maybe faster for you? So y- you can watch like a third of the Lord of the Rings extended cut, right? Or you can read all of Acts. So just put things in perspective. The Bible is not some out of reach, I'll never get to it type of thing. It's just you have to choose your priorities. So I encourage you outside of the Sunday morning gatherings to just be in the Word. Uh, Read. You can read all of it in in about two and a half hours. Read all the book of Acts. And you'd come, oh, I know what's going to happen next. Yes, you do. Good for you. That would be good. I'm going to have to explain myself. Every Sunday, you'd, you'd know what the Bible says. And we just talk about it. And then it's, then it's fun. So Peter and John, obviously two of uh, Jesus' disciples uh, here in chapter 3, they were going up to the temple at the hour of the prayer, the, the ninth hour. Right? It's about 3 p.m. It's in the afternoon. So they're going up there. And this was obviously normal for them. We've read about this the last eight verses uh, they were devoted to gathering in the temple and praying, and they went to some place called Solomon's Porch, the portico, Solomon's Portico, and it was a giant area of a colonnade, giant, uh, about three-story tall columns, stone columns, uh, that went all the way around uh, the temple in this huge uh, gathering area that would fit thousands of people. And so this is a place... Um, almost like a, the equivalent, if you will, of almost like a forum, like a Roman forum type of things. if you're familiar with history. So this would be a gathering place for conversations, uh, dialogue, and religious activities. And it's one of the reasons why Jesus drove the, the salesmen out of there, because they weren't supposed to be in there. It wasn't a place of, of selling goods. It was a place of gathering for worship and conversation. And so... Peter and John were going up there to the temple, right? And a man who's lame from birth was being carried, and his friends uh, kind of laid him down. This is probably the equivalent of uh, right outside the Walmart parking lot type of thing. It's a very common place that you will see people standing with cardboard signs asking for help or assistance or on the, you know, an off-ramp to I-95 or something like that. You, you've seen people there. Uh, you may have even helped people there, and that's fine. I did have a funny story, though. 
Uh, I was working uh, earlier this week at Starbucks, and I saw one of the sign people there at the Starbucks in Vieira. Uh, it was Colin's Starbucks, that's right, little shout. So I was working there. Colin wasn't working, so it was a less than, you know, it was still good. It was okay, just Colin wasn't there, so no heckling. Um, so I, I was more productive. Colin wasn't there. Um, but I was looking out there, and there was a, you know, there was a person there holding a sign on the Walmart. And then, you know, at a prearranged time, apparently, uh, someone came and just switched out the same sign, you know, and, and then they took their place, just bouncing back and forth. So um, we, you can understand what I'm talking about. So here comes man lame from birth, being carried and laid down. All right, there's Bill. All right, we know where Bill's going to be, you know, every Thursday, you know, there's Bill at 3 o'clock over there asking for alms, you know. And uh, Bill, uh, we find out later, uh, because the way Luke writes this at the end of the chapter, uh, or two chapters later, actually, that, that we'll call him Bill. That's not his name. We don't know his name. But Bill was 40 years old. So this man was lame from birth, and he's 40 years old. So imagine, if you will, what his legs would have looked like. Uh, anyone ever seen the movie Avatar? Uh, little blue people on a planet, and they run around. Anyway, there's a guy uh, who is uh, a cripple, and he's going around in a wheelchair. And it's actually a great scene of the actor Sam Worthington kind of picking up and lifting his legs out of the wheelchair into this little sink bed tank thing that, anyway, you'd see the movie. But it's a great shot of, like, what it would look like. Uh, no muscle. No, no muscle tone. No defined things. Bones. Just very weak. Never walked on them. Lame from birth, was never able to use them. Toothpicks, all right? So I want you to have this in your mind because of what's about to happen. So Peter and John are walking in there, and he's, oh, money, money, money. And Peter directed in verse 4, his gaze at him, as did John. They looked at him, made direct eye contact, and said, look at us. Because this lame man, again, we'll call him Bill, just because it's catching on with me now. It's not in my notes. It's just easy. So Bill's sitting there, and um, he's just probably used to just doing this and waiting for the clink of a coin as people go by. Right? And he's probably been dejected. He's probably been put down his whole life, told him he's less than or least of these, probably been blamed for being sinful, as was the custom back in the day, or maybe his parents. So he's sitting there just a worthless feeling person waiting for somebody to go clink into his little cup. Well, Peter and, and John come along, and they don't go clink. They say, no, look at us. This is an important thing because he directed his gaze then and looked at Peter and John, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And we're going to read this in verse 6. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. You're not going to get a clink in your cup today, Bill from us. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Now remember, he is lame from birth. Have an, have an imagination about what his legs, uh, the condition of them would have been. No muscles, no muscle tone, no strength, and he is suddenly able to stand. Is that not a miracle? And just like in the movie Avatar, once this crippled man kind of comes into the blue man body, right? If you haven't seen the movie, don't worry about it. Just bear with me, all right? 
And, and he, he goes into this other kind of experience, and his legs work in this other form. And so he's able to, like, feel his toes again. And what's the first thing that, that blue man Sam Worthington does, if you know the movie? He, he runs, absolutely. He goes AWOL because his legs were, he's been a cripple. They didn't work. He's been paralyzed, and all of a sudden his legs work. He's going to jump and run around and, and break out of this, this area where he was confined and just go running Helter skelter through a field. That's exactly what this man does. Took him raised by the right hand, ankles made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, most people were probably entering the temple like this. Yes, yes, uh huh, uh huh, yes. Very serious, you know, very, very solemn. And here comes Bill. Woo! Woo! Yeah! Woo! Woo! It would create a little ruckus. You see, what is going on? What's up with Bill? And they're like, is that Bill? Bill! What are you doing walking, man? Woo! Woo! Yes! This is that Bill? Yeah. And so the word quickly obviously spread through the whole colonnade, and everyone is talking and marveling and filled with awe and wonder at what God had done for Bill. And it's amazing. Now, in this moment, when the crowd comes, Peter and John actually have an opportunity before them. It's an opportunity that sometimes we take, sometimes others take, and we have to be careful not to take. And Peter and John, in this opportunity, have, an, have, a, have a moment where they can say, yeah, See you, Bill. We, we, we did that. Check it. See his legs? We did that. Bill's walking because of us. Look what we did. In God's name. Did Peter and John take that opportunity? No. If you read on, they actually use the platform that God's miracle through the name of Jesus Christ to Bill, they use this platform of what has happened as an opportunity to preach Jesus again. Not us. Nuh-uh. No, no, no. Not us. Jesus. And there's a micro version of what Peter's sermon was prior to this when 3,000 people were saved. All right, so, so check this out. He goes, he's, it's a, read it, it's fantastic. We've read some of this already, but I want to skip ahead now into the end of chapter 3. He recaps everything about what Jesus had done. We've, hopefully you've been invited into this message. And if not, we're going to keep talking about it. Moses said in verse 22, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and to those who came after him also proclaim these days. You knew these days were coming, that there was going to be a Messiah. You are the sons of the prophets. And of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. Again, Jesus was Jewish to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. 
And as they were speaking to the people, now here comes the authorities. Bum, 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 Here they come, all right? Now keep in mind, these Sadducees and Pharisees are the same ones who not too long before had condemned Jesus to be dead, uh, crucified. Same dudes. Same dudes. Now, same dudes that Peter, this same Peter, had been confronted with about possibly knowing Christ, to which his response three times was, I don't know the man. No, no association with this Jesus guy. And here come these same, bum, 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 bum. here they come again. Now, what is Peter's response this time? Does he cower in fear? Does, does he run away and say, no, I don't know Christ? Here come the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them. And they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about, if you're following, 5,000. That's pretty incredible, right? Like we, 3,000, 120 to 3,000 is amazing. Now, because of what God did through one dude, Bill, Peter and, and John not taking the opportunity to seek glory for themselves and proclaim the name of Jesus, now they go from 120 to 3,000 to now 8,000 people in the church, saved believers. Woo! That is nuts. That is nuts. Even if this is a different... Some, some scholars have argued well, that the 5,000, the number of men came about 5,000, well, maybe that's the total number, including the 3,000. Really? You're going to argue about that? Like The way I read it, it looks like 5,000 more came in addition to the 3,000. Like Luke was very meticulous about um, medical things and notes and numbers. I don't think he got this off at all because the Solomon's porch and the, the colonnade area could hold thousands and thousands of people. So imagine all of them gathered around and there were steps that went up to the columns and Peter and John proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead. It'd be an amazing day, right? Well, they're arrested. Peter and John don't hide this time, at least Peter. Take me. Take me. I'm not going to say that I don't know Jesus Christ this time. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Put me in chains, lock me up, take me away. So they keep him overnight. And then the next morning... Peter and John are brought before the high priest. If you're following along, we're in verse 5. They're brought before the high priest, and again, the ones who had just condemned Jesus. So what do you think is probably running through their mind right now? I might be dead soon. They killed Jesus, but we know he was resurrected. And now that we have seen what we have seen, and now that we know what we know and believe what we believe, there is no way I will not not talk about it. So they're standing before these men, the Sadducees, Pharisees, and the captain of the guard and everything, and, and they were asking, by what power do you do this? Here again, we have the second opportunity where Peter and John give saying, well, God has given me great authority and power. 
They could, they could have said, we have the ability to do miracles. Bow in awe. And again, they use it as an opportunity to preach Jesus even to the Sadducees. And they were not happy. They were sad, you see. And they ask, by what power do you do this? And, and their response in essence, and you, you can read their response in essence is, no, 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 you don't get it. It's not about us. The response in essence is, you still don't get it. It's not us, it's Jesus. And they recap for them what the Sadducees had done to Jesus. This is what you did to him. In chapter 4, we're being examined today in verse 9 concerning a good deed done to a crippled man by, by what means this man has been healed. And let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, <coughs> excuse me, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. They're preaching the gospel at the Sadducees and confronting them about their wickedness, sinfulness. Wow. Can you imagine the... The testicular fortitude that these men had. The courage. Wow. Huevos. Huevos. Grande huevos. Man, just to be able to... They could be confronted. They're facing possibly immediate death. And they're like, we're not going to take it. We're just going to keep... We're just going to keep dishing it out. We're not going to stop about Jesus. And now the Sadducees, you can't get it out of your brain now, they weren't happy. Now the Sadducees are shocked and convinced by a few different things. On one hand, they're looking at Peter and John as the way that the world would look at different people. On one hand, they're like, okay, they're, they're bold. They're really confident. They're courageous. They're not bashful. They're not ashamed. Wow, they're taking note of that. Okay. The second thing, they're, okay, they're, but... But they're, they're uneducated. Uh, should they be lecturing us the way they're lecturing us? Confronting scripture that we have kind of, oops, I just put that away for a little while. Not, we'll breeze over this section we don't like, black this out, white that out, and then, oh, oh, now we have the version of text we like that kind of, oh, maybe he was the Messiah. They're confronting us with this. Ooh, ouch. But they're uneducated men. How are they speaking with such authority and much boldness? And not only are they uneducated men speaking with boldness, they're uneducated, bold fishermen. Now, men, we went on a boat yesterday. There is probably not a wife who you came home to who did not say, get in the shower. You know what? Take your clothes off in the garage and come get a shower. Like, we smelled boat, all right? We smelled ocean and fish 
and sweat and sunscreen. And we came home, and then I was able to, I grilled out some fish. So I smoke, sunscreen, sweat, fish, ocean. Like Mike Weaver caught a clam. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> but uh, no joke. And you, there's, I got a witnesses. Can I get a witness? This clam came up a clapping. I don't even. How do you catch a clam, Mike? I, you caught a rockfish a few times. That was pretty amazing. Gave him a good fight. Oh, it's a, it's a rock. Anyway, Man, we came back smelling like what we'd been around, and it was a good time, right? But our presence was palpable. And so the, the Sadducees, the, the officials are looking at these guys and like, these are fishermen, like it's a low class job. They're uneducated, but they're speaking with such authority. So that's on one hand. On the other hand, now, despite Peter's best attempts, Peter and John are obviously now recognized as being associated with Christ. Unavoidable now, right? They kind of went through that door, didn't they? Speaking boldly and in confidence. And then there's the part that I love. Here's the part that I love. Verse 14. We're going to get there. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Here we go. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Now keep in mind, this is the morning after. This is not in the moment. This is the next day. And Peter and John are brought pretty much before a little tribunal, a little trial. And so the Sadducees are probably up here, you know, and looking down and, you know, talking down, because that's what they did. They talked down to Peter and John, they're proclaiming. And they're weighing all these things. And then over here is Bill. <laughs> just, just hanging out, you know. You just... They work. They work. Legs. So, how... so you, got, you got Peter, you got John, and you got Bill. Like, he's there. He, he came back to stand with these men Enter exhibit A. Bill is now evidence in, in this little trial that's going on, and he's staying there. Like, how do we argue like this is Bill? Like, we want to put them down. They should be maybe prison or punishment or whatever, but Bill. How do you, and everyone saw Bill. This message originally was called Lame to Leaping. I think we're just going to call it Bill. Like, here he is. How do you ignore what God has done? And so then the Sadducees simply just kind of refute everything or, or boil it down to just, well, just don't talk about Jesus anymore. To which the disciples say, <laughs> essentially, and that's recapped in there, the next verse 16 through 21, 22. It's just like, you know what? No, uh-uh. You can't tell us what we know. And we know what we know, and we've seen what we've seen, and we believe what we believe. You cannot keep us quiet. 
And after this, they're asked to kind of just leave and dismiss. All right, we can't really keep them quiet. Just, just leave. And so they go back to the church. They go back to their people. And if we had a situation like this today, what would it be? You'd come back, oh, whew, you, 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 you got that one real close, you know. Just squeaked by. Oh, aren't you fortunate? Aren't you lucky? Oh, that was a close one. Maybe, maybe let's, let's not, you know, get in that situation next time. Let's talk about Jesus, but maybe just a little bit less bold. Let's tone it down a little bit, you know. Kind of got awkward last time. Don't have to have a trial every time we talk about Jesus. That would be uncomfortable and just, ugh, ugh, such a hassle. So just maybe just wear a WWJD bracelet, you know, and then just go around Jerusalem and, and or a T-shirt. T-shirts are good. Just wear a T-shirt. Um, you know what? Put a bumper sticker on your cart. So when your ah is going around the corner, there everyone can see, everyone can see that, that you go to a church somewhere. Let's tone it down a bit. We don't want them to really know that we are. Do they ask that? Do they even give thanks that Peter and John are back? Uh, No. Peter and John come back, and what does the church do? The church prays for more boldness. More boldness. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together. God said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan has predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. Localized spirit earthquake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They pray for even more boldness, more of these opportunities, more of these conflicts, more of these confrontations, more of these platforms to give all glory and all honor to the only name in which we can have salvation, the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever platform they have... Whatever avenue they have, whatever opportunity they have, whatever conversation they have, whatever relationship they have, they will use it for one name. And they will not hide that name. Since day one, at least in Western cultures, It's been easier than some other areas on planet Earth to be a Christ follower. Our nation has made it easy for us since around 1776. Where this is getting harder is that as 
people who say they believe some of this are becoming a lot more popular. We're not called to believe some. We are called to believe all. We are not called to live out some. We are called to live out all. Because the all often takes them to places where it exposes our own sin. Three points for us today as we talk about what we have talked about. And we are stopping here, actually. We're going to pick up intentionally in chapter 4, verse 32, beginning next week. Three things I want us to leave with today. First of all, I would invite them to be almost like a, a prayer. And that's the way they're going to hopefully uh, appear on the screen. Um, number one, Lord, take us from lame to leaping. Lord, as a church, as a fellowship, as a family, as a body of believers, as individuals, members of this body, take us from lame to leaping. There are issues in our lives that need direct and immediate attention. And as Peter and John said to Bill, look at us. And he fixed his gaze upon them. The redemption we need, again, can only come from that one name. And fixing our eyes on the author and our perfecter of our faith, right? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I believe that the Christ-following life is a lame to leaping one. For at one time, we were all lame, right? Lame in our sin, Lame in our, you know, over-exaggeration of ourselves or our abilities. Lame in that we denied the need of a Savior. Lame in that you fill in the blank. The Amazing Grace song was, Once blind, but now I see. The Christ-following life has to admit that we at first were lame. Unable to walk or live or move on our own. And death would come to us that way. That might be you today, in here or listening. If you don't know the leaping perspective, maybe you are still lame. And it's time to fix our eyes on Jesus, call upon the only name which can be saved, and be healed. The Christ-following life is one that takes us from lame to leaping. And on the other side of that, if we do not come in when we gather and when we leave and when we go home and when we go to work, if we are not leaping with joy for what God has done for us, shame on us. If we don't come in with glad and generous hearts expecting God to move in our midst, soften our hearts and encourage our fellowship, shame on us. We leave being judgmental about our gatherings. I didn't like that song. I did like that song. It was too loud. It was too quiet. It was too cold. It was too hot. He preached too long. There's no alternative to that. 
If we leave judgmental on those things and critical, we again have missed the point. For we should be filled with glad and generous and joyful, leaping hearts. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. And we get to celebrate what he has done for us together. There's a whole room full of leaping people. So Lord, take us from lame to leaping. As we tie that in, I want to reflect back on a passage from Matthew chapter 17. You don't have to turn there, it's just a few verses. Uh, we'll probably put it up on screen for your reference. But Matthew chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, Jesus. I brought him to be healed by your disciples, Jesus, and they could not heal him. The same Peter and John, who healed Bill later in this moment, could not heal this epileptic boy. And Jesus answered now to the disciples, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. We'll get this done. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed again instantly, lame to leaping, sick to well. And the disciples came to Jesus privately. We don't make a big show of it, but like, what, how did you do it? And we could not do, and you did, but we didn't, and why, but what? Like, I don't want to talk about my failure publicly, but let's, let's, talk, let's talk about it. Right? Maybe coffee. Let's get coffee. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And I love the paradox of these two passages, because here we have the same men, Peter and John, who could not heal. And then later, what we read already in Acts, look at us in the name of Jesus Christ, stand. Do you think their faith had grown just a bit? So that leads us now into, Lord, increase our faith. So Lord, take us from lame to leaping. Secondly, Lord, increase our faith. Should be a call of ours, right? We shouldn't be complacent or comfortable with where we are. No, Lord, increase our faith. Again, Luke wrote Luke and Acts. So now in Luke chapter 17, just verses 5 and 6, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And here again we see the Lord saying, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So Lord, take us from lame to leaping. Heal our hearts. Heal our church. Lord, increase our faith that we would not be comfortable or complacent with what currently is, but we would be seeking more, pursuing more, asking for more for Jesus. Not more money, not more time, more faith, so that the money and the time can be used wisely and with good purpose. 
Finally, Peter and John returned to the church. And their prayer as the church was what? More boldness. So Lord, may we, if we are not, may we become bold. And yes, this is for us as a church. May we become bold. In our faith. And not settling for just the bumper sticker. And not having a conversation where we know someone doesn't have their life put together and they need Jesus, but we invited them last week and we don't want to push it too hard. Ask them again. Do they know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior? Lead with that. Right? Don't ask, will you go to church with me? Because then it puts them in a position of saying no. Ask them, can you go to church with me? To which their response will be, yes, they can go physically. Have a car, I will pick you up if you need a ride. You can go with me to life group, to church, to break bread and fellowship and homes and temples. You can. We need to be bold. And the spirit of Peter and John proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ from the rooftops, from the mountaintops of our homes and families, from the street corners in our office cubicles, the garage ports where we work and fix vehicles. The classroom. Boy, does that need it. Do not be ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. Do not be ashamed of his name. For there is no other name in which man can be saved. So, Lord, may we become bold. For that, we turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 through 13. For sake of time, I'll just move right into it. Ephesians chapter 3, 7 through 13. Paul is writing, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Check this out in verse 10. Mine is underlined. I encourage you to do it also. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. So that through the church, you and I, friends, part of the church, we are the avenue. We are the conduit that God has created in his wisdom for his purpose, for the knowledge of him and the salvation through his son to be made known to our world. We are it. This is always meant to go and be funneled through the church. Are you part of our church? Good, then we are on mission. We know what we should be doing. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness there and access with confidence. Through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. The church is the avenue. The church is, through the person of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world. Now, not you, not me, I'm not the hope of the world. Not Peter, not John. No, 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 no. Jesus. 
Jesus Christ and the church exists to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. And we don't stop being the church when we leave. We don't stop being the church at 12.01. We don't stop being part of the church. So boldness, access, and confidence so that through the church, the wisdom of God might be made known. And the world needs that wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and we need to come back to the place where we proclaim the name of Jesus Christ above all. Boldness, confidence, and access. And God has already given you an opportunity in the relationships and the setting and the vocation that you have. So are we using it or misusing it? Are you worried about what might happen? I encourage you actually to not be. In Hebrews chapter 13, 6, quoting from Psalm 118, 6 says, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Don't fear the Sadducees in your workplace. Now, I get it. You might perceive that my job it gives me an out. I can say what needs to be said here. This is the environment. That's why I'm thankful for you. Because I am not the church. Like It, does, it doesn't work that way we are the church together so we come together we break bread together we fellowship together we are devoted to the teaching together so our prayer this week Lord take us from lame to leaping Lord, increase our faith, and Lord, may we be bold for your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.